Hello and welcome back to Making Connections, our podcast series providing both informal and interactive discussions with industry leaders on the IT challenges and the opportunities that are facing organisations today. I'm your host, Nick Lazell, and today I have James Amies and Gareth Mayer from Technomove in the hot seat. Welcome both. Maybe James, you can introduce yourself first. Yeah, thanks for that, Nick. Um, so I'm James Amies. I'm Services Director at Technimove. I head up both our technical pre-sales team along with our professional services consultants. This means I have overall responsibility for the technical solutions that we devise and propose to our customers, as well as the provision and the implementation of those solutions. Brilliant. Thanks, James. And Gareth, maybe some background. Thank you, Nick, for having us here today. I'm Gareth Mayer. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer at Technimove. I'm responsible for our go-to-market strategy at a, a global level. I'm also responsible for any investments we make as an organization and customer outcome. So the success we deliver to our customers. Great to have you both here today. The question we're going to be asking in, in today's podcast is simply, should organizations store everything in the cloud? We could probably spend about a minute and come up with a yes or no answer. I'm, I'm sure it's not that easy. But, you know, for example, we, we all understand, I think, that, that organizations are, are more and more shifting workloads and, and data into the public cloud. And surveys, a telehouse recent research would suggest that 43% of enterprises are hosting their infrastructure either in a hybrid or a actually private cloud uh, environment. Although the spend on IT infrastructure in the public cloud is increasing significantly. And over the next couple of years, uh, that, that figure will rise to 50%. Gartner, for example, suggests that worldwide spending on public cloud will grow to just shy of 600 billion this year. So it's clear that organizations are pushing a huge amount of data out into the cloud. And of course, maybe it can bring potentially lower costs. Maybe there's some less kind of maintenance required, no physical infrastructure or a, a reduced amount of physical infrastructure to spend money on. And, you know, we may be aware of the kind of high scalability benefits of public cloud, but do we think it's always the best option? Is it the single best option? Gareth? Your, your opinion on that, do you think it's the silver bullet that, that can cure all of an organization's problems or be the answer to all of their questions? You know, Nick, I'll approach that on two elements. So at Technimove, we have the ability to migrate physical infrastructure, which we're a market leader and have done so for 25 plus years. But we also have the ability to migrate customers into the cloud space. And what we're acknowledging or seeing with a lot of our recent projects is it's driven by application customer demand. What exactly are the, the organizations trying to achieve? And security and compliance here, of course. I think we are seeing twofolds. We are seeing organizations still moving to the cloud, transitioning certain applications, specifically around their processes. So for example, applications like CRM systems, who are on a SaaS-based platform, so easily consumed and scalable. But what we are seeing is organizations that have done the big leap during the start of the pandemic. They had to. Organizers were forced to, to move down that route. They're actually bringing their, their data back in-house. So we're seeing an increase of greenfield sites being spun up in, in physical data center locations today, but in a hybrid approach. So we're seeing a real mix on that front. I don't think there's going to be a change for some time. We are watching cost spiral in the cloud as well, as it's very easy to spin up new services and organizations don't have a great hold on what that spend looks like. There are providers out there that are driving adoption of cloud services, but at the end of the day, it really falls down to the customer scalability. 
what they require in that space. And cost, if, if you want a standardized cost model and you can sweat those assets for a certain duration of time, it makes a lot more sense to put it on-prem again and deliver private cloud. I guess that's an interesting point, isn't it? And I, I wonder if organizations are mature enough to be able to really do the cost analysis between co-location, pure co-location, so hosting applications in a, in a co-location data center against having everything, for example, in public cloud. I don't know, you know, may, maybe there is some kind of maturity around those tools to be able to calculate the cost, but with the cost spiral in public cloud or potential cost spiral, how is that kind of monitored or judged against what colo, you know, what colo would cost I'm not sure if you have any experience in, in in those areas there are tools and and james is the more technical individual in the room <laughs> okay but there are tools from a commercial aspect to give you visibility of those costs but it's rarely around too much adoption of those services not in-house capability to monitor and track that process i think and james will go through in some aspect we are on the same boat james is just about to spin up a newer site for us which delivers real customer value so i see a real drive for output reporting and so on else and some of our services and we've decided to go down the cloud space for one particular reason i don't want to invest in physical infrastructure tie up a contract in a data center in that ground. But long term, I know I'm going to have to as our demand for our own service scales. So I guess the hybrid approach really is, it was too early in the conversation to completely answer that sort of hybrid is the answer to everything or public cloud isn't the answer. But it'd be fair to say, I guess, that a little bit of each might be the approach that some organizations are taking. Yeah, and many organizations do. And we're seeing that shift around. So there was a, a general track, as Gareth said, you moving up into the cloud and doing it quickly. But there's nowhere to hide from a cost perspective once you do that. Once you start seeing those recurring charges coming in every month, people start asking the questions where these costs have come from. Whereas historically, they might have been more diluted and more hidden behind a general OPEX cost or a capital X, obviously, write down. But what that visibility and that awareness does is it shifts the conversation within the organization around accounting for the cost. Our customers are saying, what value are we getting from doing this? Why are we doing it in this way? Um, and that then starts to change some of the decision-making process that happens, both on the fly in real time in operational situations and that type of uh, environment, but also the strategic and the roadmap decisions. What are we going to be incurring in costs in the next 12 months, in the next three years? And how does that influence what we're going to do now? And how does that influence what we do as a business and how we achieve our goals as a business? Thanks, James. Yeah. And in terms of organizations migrating their, their workloads, and we talked about maybe application specific or based on all the limitations of the application, what's really the first thing that an organization needs to consider when they're, when they're looking at migrating some of their workloads into the cloud? is really understanding what they've what they've got so you know pulling together quality audit data understanding it assets as well as liabilities or potentially you know if there are regulations that need to be upheld within certain environments understanding all of those factors and sometimes putting a monetary value against it which can be very difficult sometimes for it leaders they may operate and run their own budgets but are they able to you know, convert that into tangible business benefit. It all depends on what the organization is doing as well and how that how that's governed. But understanding what is there, what model they need to operate under, and make informed decisions based on 
the information they have at hand that's that's the crucial thing and that's the, the way we lead quite a lot of our customers regardless of whether it's a physical migration whether it is a you know a transformation program where we're moving data structures between one platform and another platform or whether we're consolidating you know one environment and modernizing it and then putting that somewhere else we want to know and understand what's there first so that the customer and ourselves are making informed decisions about how we approach that and when organizations look to companies like yourselves to not not just guess do that analysis but but really kind of advise them on the strategy because an organization might take a decision for example uh, we're moving to cloud and then need to kind of work back from that to establish actually what's required so almost back to that kind of audit position or do they start with the audit with the outcome maybe that they don't necessarily you know cloud maybe not necessarily suitable for them what, what, what's your feeling for how that kind of customer thinking is prior to them engaging with you for example that's a really good question and with the diverse customers that we have and with the conversations we have it's all of those scenarios we, we get faced with but what we will do within those early client engagements is is just probe and question and they've done their due diligence they've made the right decisions because obviously we wouldn't want to be part of something that some point through a project delivery it's understood that this isn't the right track because that's that's in no one's benefit but that maturity goes back to the, the point you raised a little bit earlier, that maturity of understanding and understanding the costs associated with it and the benefits. That's really what we look to probe to really understand and make sure that the business justifies the expense that they're, they're looking to undertake. All, all of our engagements we have with our customers are project driven. And so there's always a cost to those. We need to make sure that we can achieve the, the outcome that the organisation is looking to, to benefit from. So there may be a business need. I think we find when customers are looking to take co-location space with Telehouse, for example, it may not be a, a project purely based on the fact that they want to be in a colo data center. It might be that their headquarters office is lease is expiring, they need to relocate or, or want to prepare for that relocation by centralizing their core IT infrastructure into a co-location facility like ours so that they can easily move their office or the business in some way is kind of transforming. So so I guess maybe I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to relate that kind of decision making to that point, whether someone approaches a company like yours, a customer and says, we want to move into the cloud. How do we do it? Or we want to modernize. We want to transform, you know, is moving to the cloud part of this journey? Is it part of the answer? Is co-location part of that? So it's that kind of kind of consultative piece at the front end with that, yeah. as, as you said, you know, probing and, and questioning rather than coming up with a solution of this is how you are going to move to the cloud yeah you know the direct scenario phone call i had this morning uh talking to an organization that apart uh, they've just been acquired so they've been acquired by a large financial organization they are a small niche financial services organization and they run all of their infrastructure from equipment on premise in their own offices so they've obviously not only bridged through that barrier of the maturity where they need to think about the availability of their own services but also the robustness and the security the physical security as well as the logical security that they have and then there's a need from a compliance and a governance perspective because their new their new owners say you can't run these systems on premise they need to be in a certain to a certain standard and we are having those conversations to help them understand which parts of the workload will go into a public cloud, which will be quick and e relatively quick and easy because of the way they've got their applications and their data is architected. But there are some elements where they don't want to do that because they've got longevity of data, they want to know where it is, and they want to be able to get to it physically. 
and that's where the option of uh, you know a London-based data centre is the right fit for them. Great, thanks, James. Gareth, uh, what other aspects do you think businesses may need to consider when choosing this kind of mixture or combination of locations or, or, or places to be able to store their different workloads? What other factors are there? We've recently done a major migration, Nick, which was compliance-led, right, where the data center provider couldn't hit a requirement their business had. So there's a number of factors around where where we moved that data center to. It had to be a physical on-premise deployment due to the application requirements. I'll take a step back to what, what Jabe says about the probing and really sort of questioning the customer. A lot of our organizations or customers that come to us, their initial response is our CFO wants to scale this business. We want to move everything to the cloud. And we have to probe. It, it is part of a solution that we're offering at the end of the day, and it's outcome-based. So we do probe around the applications. We start to question things, simple things like availability. Do we have to run this infrastructure at 24 by 7? Is there a case of failover? Have you really thought about that? You know, your backup and so on. As a lot of people believe it's just naturally backed up. It's not the case when you just migrate to the cloud. You've got retention policies you need to put in place. So it isn't just about, are you going to host your infrastructure in someone else's data center? It is an entire process review. So we really dig deep and we start to question organizations. If, you know, if it's a simple CapEx model move, there are other vendors out there that offer physical infrastructure. And, you know, you look at HPEs organization, you look at Dell, they're all launching these these new OPEX-based models. Those go into physical data centers somewhere, right, with scalability. So, you know, the market has enough opportunity out there to make that decision as just what's right for your business. Wouldn't look at it just from a financial perspective, I'd look at it from a business outcome perspective. If you are a small startup, it's naturally you start in the cloud somewhere, whether it be one of the big public cloud sort of providers, you have that choice to you. But it's about when does a scale start to impact your business, right? And when does that cost overtake? It's a nice to have, not a necessity. And I think that's where the trigger point lies, really understanding what your your future strategy is. And I know it's difficult. Many years ago, we could plan seven years in advance. Technology changes on an annual basis today. Uh, what's in trend today is not what's in trend tomorrow. So I think you have to adapt. You have to make sure your on-prem or cloud infrastructure can adapt with you as an organization. And customers drive that demand. And if you look at most of the banks today, I think they're they would be dead without their applications sitting on your mobile phone today. And uh, a lot of that is still in physical data center locations due to compliance and regulation laws out there. And even actually with some of those applications, the way the application is delivered is a mix in its own right. So you'll have the, the common web interface parts, they'll be on a public cloud platform. But the data and the business intelligence and the integration with other parts of those potentially more legacy-based banking systems, they'll be in a data center um, that they'll, they'll own and operate. But just to touch on another point that Gareth was making about some of the vendors and their intelligent responses to the way the market's changed, we're no longer having to make a decision of technology product based on the use. We can deploy physical infrastructure, storage, network, compute, on-premise in an office and manage it and make it look like it's in a public cloud. So that allows that decision process to be free of the shackles of some of those 
more historic technical limitations and allows the business and the technology leaders within that organization to make the choice of where do I want to put that workload? Where do I want to put that data? What are my considerations? Are they financial? Are they operational? Uh, you know, are they availability-led? Are they jurisdiction-led? allows them more choice, but more choice obviously comes potentially more complexity if you get it wrong. Well, they need the advice. Uh, yeah, I got a couple of interesting points there that just kind of brought to mind some kind of th- things I was thinking about in, in terms of Gareth mentioned maybe the t- traditional kind of server providers, you know, maybe lowering the barriers to entry into this kind of consumption-based model by reducing the capex, offering a an opex model on the on the traditional kind of tin that you would deploy in a co-location data center and conversely the public cloud provider starting to offer a, a public cloud in a colo data center that you can actually touch and feel and it's, it's a conversation i have with people sometimes when they kind of don't really understand what even a data center or the public cloud is and then you know it boils down to the fact that the cloud is servers in a data center it might be not in a data center you know close by but they are servers and storage and networking in a data center it's kind of the same thing it's the how it's consumed i guess and maybe the 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 kind of geography of where it's physically deployed kind of makes the difference but still those barriers being lowered by both those traditional kind of providers of, of hardware and maybe there's a bit of kind of an agnostic approach around hardware now all of the network hardware is super sophisticated all of the server infrastructure is super sophisticated it all serves the purpose it's more about the as, as you said maybe the deployment models of applications and the infrastructure that counts rather than the actual label on the box i guess yeah absolutely and, and I, I've, I've been an advocate for, for quite a while of trying to turn the conversation rather than being a technology-based conversation, to an understanding of the point of consumption. What is it you're consuming and how are you going to consume? And those creative financing options that have come to come to the market more recently, they've actually been around for a very long time. I, I remember a conversation back around 20 years ago with uh, an emerging storage player that wanted to provide storage on the ground, so you know, spinning disks on an OPEX model based on a flexible capacity model. I was working at a service provider at the time, so that was really attractive. The technology actually didn't work for us and didn't, didn't pass through, but the financing was really attractive for us because it meant that we could build a, you know, a service platform where we didn't have any capex. You know, we were only going to incur cost as we were consuming and we would only consume as our customers were consuming, so that allowed that flow down. Now everybody's providing that type of model and the technology is not the barrier for that, it's just the way you finance it. So it, again, it just changes the way some people decide how to use and how to consume. Sure. And, you know, we're obviously talking about this mix of different workloads and environments. What are the tangible benefits of workloads on infrastructure in a co-location data center, workloads in the public cloud? Are there pros and cons that you could kind of suggest? We've got a client of ours that the rate of change within their own environment is quite staggering when they own the asset. They're very cash-rich. And that's the way the organization is run. So they have a preference to CapEx rather than than OpEx and then sweat that out. But they've got a a huge army of uh, software and product developers that are working on on evolving their offering that they take to market and how they generate their revenue. Now, if they were to go and put that into one of the public cloud platforms, the cost they could write down 
but it gives them the, the flexibility. But what they can't do is go and all sit around and be creative around how they use those products because they are confined within the 124 portfolio products that are on that public cloud platform and the rules that they have. Now, if, they, if they're a big multinational, you know, they're one of those big blue chip companies that are talking directly to those public cloud providers and getting the roadmap awareness of the products that are coming down the line. And even if they're that influential that they can potentially look to shape some of that product development around their needs, it's fantastic. But there are more companies out there that don't have that type of influence, but they still have that need. And being able to have your own data center mixed with the off-the-shelf public cloud offerings and blend those together gives them the best of both worlds. Um, you know, we need to stand up a new load balancing platform for them based on standardized technology that they use, but isn't one of the offerings that is there in the public cloud platform. We have engineers in the data center that deploy that physical infrastructure for them and they then know how they want to get on and use it. They don't have to learn a new technology for it because they're already familiar with it. So it's a real good blend for them of being able to be flexible and adaptable around their own product development, but also they still use and consume all of the back office products that most of us use to communicate, to have video conferencing. Even their financial package is a global SaaS package that many people will know. Right, thanks. And maybe Gareth, back to you, obviously this uh, balance between kind of data or storage or infrastructure in uh, in a colo environment or in or in the public cloud and touched on right at the beginning that, you know, several hundred billion spend on public cloud across the globe in this year. Are colo and public cloud competing? Are they complementing each other? And, and who's going to be the winner? Is there a winner? Does there need to be a winner there? No, and that's a great question. Like, uh, I wish I knew, right? Because I'd absolutely invest in that space. <laughs> okay. It is quite difficult, right? I think they work in harmony together. You touched on it earlier where well, I brought up the fact that a lot of the vendors are looking, right? You look at NetApp, ONTAP, and so on else, you can go straight out to the public cloud space for scale and then bring it and reduce. That helps and works great for the likes of R&D, test and dev, and so on. It's fantastic in that space. I think they work harmoniously together. I think there's no right answer to it, in all honesty. I think it's, at the time, your your choice as to where it needs to be. I think things long and hard. It is easy enough to move from one to the other. I think you have the hardware options to choose it, whether you go in colo space or you know, even as small as comms, comms cabinets and so on else, if you really need to. But as I look at our business today, majority of our applications sit in the cloud. But we do have a requirement to bring back some of our applications as cost starts to spiral. And we see that in the engineering state. And I'm, I'm looking at James now because it's mostly his team <laughs> that are, are, are spinning disc up all the time, right? I think cost is always going to play an impact. You know, we've got customers that have a requirement just to spend. We've got customers that are very, very conscious of those budgets. So there isn't a right answer to your question. I think it's preference and where your business is going. I will point out that it's very difficult to manage that cloud piece again. But it's also as difficult when we go into a multitude of data centers where customers three years later actually haven't got a clue what's in their data center. You know, and that's a that's a first phase of any of our projects we do, specifically around our migration work. We look and audit the customer's estate because the rate of change that happens between three and five years is immense. You can only imagine what it's like out of sight, out of mind, if it's sitting in someone else's data center, right? And that's where that cost control comes into place because every single one of our migrations, first engagement is 
we will do an audit to give you full visibility of what you physically have in a data center. And you'll be amazed nine out of 10 times customers don't know. And it's quite surprising as well. We've had a number of instances relatively recently where we've audited a public cloud deployment for a couple of different customers where they get subdivided down into business accounts and different chargeback um, organizations or departments within the organization. And all of a sudden we find a whole load of workload and cost being borne by another department. They didn't even know it was there because there isn't that uh, visibility. Sometimes it gets a bit opaque. But back to your question, Nick, I think it was really interesting. It's all about timing that question. Where does the co-location data center sit in today's market? If we go back a decade, looking specifically at the London market, actually it's a little bit longer than a decade, there were question marks being raised around where is the future of the co-location market in London? And, and at the time, if anybody was familiar with the marketplace, there was a real lack of capacity in London. And uh, the, the cost per kilowatt was astronomical and energy wasn't the problem there. The problem was capacity. And then lots of people developed. Loads of great capacity came online. Obviously, the new facilities at Telehouse came on. We benefited from from that. We moved a lot of people in. We moved people from one suite to another suite as they as they grew. But yeah, the question is still pertinent today. What's the future of co-location? How do they work? And how are they as bedfellows with the public cloud? And they're, they're both the same. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you put it. If there is a CPU cycle somewhere, there is a byte of data, it's going to be stored somewhere, and it's going to be in a data center. It's just who owns that data center and who's paying for it and under what financial model. I think we've answered our own question with a number of answers, <laughs> not, not probably a single one. But should they store everything in there? No, maybe not. Do they have lots of options? Yes. Do they need to analyze, audit, really seriously think about how they deploy and what they deploy for different reasons, regulatory or, or financial reasons or technical reasons around the application? And it's clear there's a, there's a lot of things to consider. So that's been great. Well, you know, thanks for your input, guys. It's been, been really good to talk to you and fantastic insights. And, and, and thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Nick. It's been fantastic. Yeah, yeah thanks again, Nick. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Making Connections podcast and I hope you'll join us for the next episode soon.